That looks dope. How'd that happen? I don't know, but I don't want to die. <laughs> um. So yeah, the whole Jorge thing with the fans. That was pretty dope. You thought people had hands? Yeah, some of them had hands. You think you have hands? Yeah, I mean, when you box for a couple years, you know, I mean, you would only safely assume that you have something, some sort of skills. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Yeah, man, I mean, I'm still a fat piece of crap, so <laughs> it doesn't even matter if I have hands. That makes two of us. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and... oh. <laughs> wow. Welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prepigita, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre. What's up, Prep? It's funny that I do that because it reminds me of the first UFC. The way the whole thing opened was the guy was like trying to say where they were at, and he burped like in the middle of the saying yeah. it. So I was I was actually what made me think about that was cuz I was listening to the uh 30 for 30 podcast about the like yeah. inception of the UFC. If you haven't seen it or you haven't listened to it, it's a must listen. It's like an hour. Yeah, I would I would I'm going to definitely take some time to probably watch <coughs> it tonight while I'm at work. Yeah, well, you still have to watch the 30 for 30 with Chuck and Tito, right? Yeah, yeah, still. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sick today. I mean, I'm I was much sick, much more sick yesterday. Today I just have like a terrible voice and a runny nose. Hey man. And I just sound awful. But there is nothing that's going to stop me from talking about this weekend. Yeah. So let's get into the news, Andre. As always, we start with the news. Um some lighter news bits this week. Um we're just trying to save it more for, you know, the UFC 244 preview that we have going on. But the first thing that uh, we'll talk about is Kat Zingano finally signs that contract with Bellator. It's something that we expected her to fight in that featherweight division over there. It makes sense. Um, I feel like Bellator treats the heavier women a little better. Yeah. So do you, did you think she did the right thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that she is going to get a chance to fight Cyborg a lot sooner, or Julia Bed, Bud, excuse me, and uh, you know put herself in line for a title shot, and hopefully you know make a legacy for herself. Uh, doesn't always have to be in the UFC, you know. So I just think it was a great signing for both parties, and you know I wish her luck. Yeah. Um Julia Budd has that fight in January with Cyborg. Yeah. So you have to believe that they'll try to book Cat uh, around that time. Yeah. So that the next fight could be her for the title because she is a marquee name. Yeah. You know, even though she got beat up by Ronda pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about maybe my favorite MMA, um, in quotes, journalist. Uh, the Schmo had an interview with our buddy Dana White. And in this interview, he talked about a few things, so we'll go over a few of them. But Dana White confirms that in 2020, quarter one, so the first quarter of next year, uh, they will be doing the Khabib-Tony fight. Cool. What we expected, obviously this is the only fight to make. <coughs> if there was ever a fight... To make in the UFC, it's this one. Yeah. 
um, where does this fight take place? Because I don't think – I think that Khabib's going to stick to it and it won't be in Vegas. But do they go back, like, to, like, Russia or the Middle East again? No, no. Um, honestly, it's it's tough because you want to put it in a place where they'll have ex- – you know, it'll be accessible to every fan. And I think it will be big – if it was done here, if it was done in the right place. Now, 244 is already done in MSG. 243 was done at the Marvel Arena, the Marvel Stadium, I'm sorry. Um, So there are some big cards, and, you know, he might not want to do it in Vegas, but it's either Vegas or it's got to be in Cali. Like Staples Arena? Yeah, like those are the biggest venues. And you already know as long as the fight is going to be on Tony's healthy, Khabib's healthy. They both make weight. Like I don't see why that wouldn't be sold out. Question: Why do you think they never did like that ridiculous Dallas Stadium? Like, is it is there a such thing as too big for the UFC? Uh, well, I mean, look at what happened at, at Marvel Stadium. They still had like three or four thousand seats empty. But you know what? I mean. I don't think there is. I just think it has to be the right matchup. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh I don't know, like a like a Jones versus Nganu for a main event for the heavyweight belt. Something crazy like that. Three titles on the line. Something but like that I would see. You're saying three titles on the line, but like two forty five I mean nobody's really clamoring for that card and there's three titles, you know? Is there? Yeah, it's uh the Max fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Amanda Nunes fight, as well as the uh, welterweight fight. Oh, yeah. yeah That's that, because those are terrible events. I mean, like, are, are they, though? I mean, the Amanda fight, it's like a gimme fight. Yeah. But then you have the welterweights who have been building up this fight for a year now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand that that's, like, something that we don't care about. Yeah, yeah. But maybe, like, the... Uh, the casual who sees the trash talk is kind of drawn yeah, to Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the appeal of a three-title fight event is cool, but it's got to be the right names, you know? Like, yeah, and, like, knock on wood, they usually don't stay together. <laughs> like, Yeah. So, God, I mean, God forbid, you know, that card kind of needs the three-title fights, even though they are really stacking it, which we'll talk about more yeah. fights added to it. yeah. I felt like they probably, I don't know, in my opinion, I feel like they should have stacked this card coming up because it was the 500th UFC event. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think like, it's pretty, I mean, we'll get into it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it is stacked. It <laughs> is. I just I just felt like you could have even still had Masvidal versus Nate as a main event, but a couple title fights, I felt like that would have been a good idea. Yeah, so uh, Dana White confirms that January 18th card is happening. Um, and Connor will be on that card, but there's no contract signed. From what I see, it's Connor Cowboy. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people clamoring to get on that card. It's either going to be at T-Mobile Stadium or T-Mobile Arena or or MGM Grand. Yeah. Which they haven't ran since they opened the uh, T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. So... I mean that is what it is. The UFC obviously just making way for Connor because they weren't gonna do a pay per view 
in January. I don't even think it should be a pay-per-view, to be honest. I, I, I respect Cerrone so much, but that's not a pay-per-view main event, in my opinion. Mazadal and Diaz is a pay-per-view main event. Yeah, Th- that's a super that's a super fight right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then uh, Paulo Costa had surgery on his bicep, and the prognosis is that he's going to be out for eight months. Yeah. So if there's anything we've learned over this last year about Israel Adesanya, is that eight months is a long time, and I don't see him waiting. So Paulo out, Yoel in. Yeah. Or Cannoneer in. I don't know because it looks like they're going to do you well. Do you think that there is even precedent for this fight? Like, yes, us, we want to see that. But, like, 0-3 in his last three, Yeah. you know, no matter what we think, you know, I thought he beat Paulo. I thought that he beat Robert in his last one. He lost the first one, obviously. But it doesn't matter. The, the – uh, his record is 0-3 in his last three fights. Not to mention has had trouble cutting weight in the second fight with Rob and in the fight with Luke Rockhold. So clearly he's really having trouble getting to 185. So there's just going to have to be a lot that Israel has to think about. You know, like, is he going to come in weight on weight? Probably not. Is he going to come in and, um, you know, not be on some like there's there's so much that he has to deal with because when you think about it if you're looking on paper Yoel he should be like ranked number 10 or something because he's lost so yeah I think that the more legitimate fight in my opinion would obviously be Cannoneer but then again you know how the UFC works everything's about buzz so if somebody says I see you soon boy they're going to be like, hmm, that fight's interesting. I do love that, though. I love their interaction. Yeah. I love the see you soon, boy, because it reminds me of that man right there, oh, yeah. Michael Bisping. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes of all time, <laughs> see you soon, boy. <laughs> like, I love you, Mike. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into some fight announcements. Sam Alvey is out of his main event against Shogun. Paul Craig steps in for him. Um, we have Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson, too. Cool. <clears throat> Obviously, Michael Chandler can't get his rematch because Pitbull is in the uh, featherweight tournament. Yeah. Um, we have Rob Font versus Ricky Simone. And then a fight that I'm really excited for. This is added to the December 15th or 14th card, one of the two. Uh, Mike Perry versus Jeff Neal. Killer fight. Very dangerous for someone who just broke their nose to walk into a cage with Jeff Hands of Steel Neal. Damn. That's a big one right there. That's a great fight. I can't wait to see that. That's a main event all by itself. Shout out to the UFC matchmakers on that one. It's like when we think they're doing stupid stuff, they just come out of nowhere and say, hey, guys, guess what we did? It's like, yeah. Incredible. It's like it's like on the weekday, you're having a rough time at school, and out of nowhere, your parents just bring in three boxes of large pizzas. And you're like, what? <laughs> Thank you. And wings? <laughs> we got pizza. Yeah, <laughs> look what I got. <clears throat> so we had a few cards last weekend. Last weekend was actually pretty stacked. Um, let's talk about just the uh, 
the big things that happened between the two Bellator cards. Uh, someone that we were excited to see, Robin Van Hoosmalen, fails to make weight. Um, so he's already forced from his debut. He missed by nine pounds. He was not able to fight. He's already forced to move up a weight division by Bellator. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's cool? Like being his first time weighing in and missing by so much, do you think that they have precedent to make him move up? Yeah, because I think it's just about safety because reading his Instagram, he was talking about how it had never happened to him before and how his body just kind of shut down. So to risk that happening again in the next event, even if he eats healthier or he changes his diet plan, like it's still a risk for them. And at the end of the day, they spend money on on venues and they're and they're paying the fighters and it's a lot of money that it, that's involved into actually making the card happen. So they want to make sure that you know if he's going to fight, he's got to fight at a comfortable weight where he's going to be hydrated and ready to go. So I th- I think it's okay if he moves back down. You know it, it shouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah, I mean I don't think that he needs to. Like if you have that skill. You should be able to fight within either the weight class above your weight class or the weight class below. Yeah, like you should be able to perform with your skills. Should speak, you know. Because what, what what was the weight class? It was what one thirty five or one forty five. One forty five. Yeah. So he's fighting at one fifty five. I mean, he fought at one fifty four for the 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 a big chunk of his kickboxing career. Really having a lot of success, only really losing to Giorgio St. Petrosian. I said St. Petrosian. Giorgio Petrosian, um, Sitichai Sitsong, Pinon. I mean, he's lost to the best of the best. These one names never get old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but hey, I mean, he, he's he's done a huge, you know, uh, favor in the sport of kickboxing by being so active and being such a high-level guy. So either way, I think he's going to dominate. It was like the guy Ilyas Boulid, you know, he was an incredible kickboxer as well, and he dominated his first pro fight. So, you know, I'm just excited to see him get in there. Yeah, so um, let's talk about local fighter. Our good buddy, you know, he's really nice to us on Instagram. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Connor Dixon. Yeah. This dude makes history. 45 seconds, I believe, Kamora, he ends the fight in 45 seconds. Yep. What did you think when you saw this? I thought it was slick, man. I mean, he got into that weird position at first and then just found the way. And, you know, that's just a testament to show just how good his grappling is. You know, he was talking about it in his interview after the fight, how he's really he's really about that life. Like, he's really that grappling wizard. Um, when I think of somebody that he can really, like, when I have to say he emulates somebody, I would have to say he really emulates, like, a Joe Lozon. Like, his grappling is there. Because it's not just the takedowns. It's like wherever the fight takes place, he's just going to dominate you. So, um, you know, it was just like what he was saying about, you know, all the fighters that he wants to fight, like Ed Ruth and Dylan Ooh, Dennis. Like, Ed Ruth looked great on this card, too. He yeah. fought a tough fight. Super you know, I don't, tough. I don't have him on the notes, but Ed Ruth fought a really tough fight and yeah. ended up coming up on top. Yeah. What a prospect that guy is. Yeah, and, and you know what? The the crazy thing about, you know, being able to be that high level at such a young 
you know, stage in your career <laughs> is that a lot of guys will duck you. You know, like he said it, I was signed to fight Dylan, and, you know, he ducked me. And there's a reason for that. If D- Dylan wants to build his portfolio and portray that he's this animal um, jiu-jitsu guy who's going into MMA and dominating everybody, he can't fight a guy like Connor so early. It was like when Ed Ruth fought name when he fought Naaman Gracie. That was not a smart fight for him, but he was, you know, in a place where he had really no choice, so he had to. But you know, uh okay. Um he has to he has to discontinue fighting and eventually Connor will get to the point where nobody can run from him. So yeah, um, just to go over some of the other victories, you know, Baby Slice, no contest. Okay, never mind. He did knock the guy out, but I think his feet got stuck in the cage or something, so they called it. No, no, Baby So what happened in that fight, and I had called it too, um, he started off with the elbows um, when the guy was shot in for a takedown. They were all, all to the back of the head, and then he kept going for hammer fist, and those were all to the back of the head or around this side of the head. They were all legal shots, and then people were like, it is all over. I'm like, yep, for him, that's going to be a no contest. Oh, wow. But um, before even seeing that, I was like, damn, he destroyed him. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mix looked really good. And this guy right here, Lance Gibson Jr., Oh, my God. This guy at 155 looks like, how can I describe this guy? Think of, like, the body type of, like, an Israel Adesanya where, like, or no, who's, like, really jacked? Who's someone who's, oh, think of, like, Jared Cannonier. Oh, okay. At, like, a 155. Or yeah, one fifty five. This dude is jacked. He's La- Lance Gibson's son, Julia Bud's stepson. They're both in his corner, and wow. he is an animal. He's four and zero, I believe, three and zero. What a performance! This dude is disgusting. Wait till you see him. I'm telling you, when we talk about prospects, Bellator might have the better prospects. Yeah, because they're getting guys who are, like, really decorated martial artists. But, you know, the issue is just, like, they don't have enough guys for them to fight, <coughs> and then they throw them in so early against tough competition. Well, remember what we talked about. Like, Bellator is not scared to have someone's first professional fight on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, they'll throw an O&O guy out there. Yeah, as long as, you know I mean? Well, I mean... <clears throat> Compared to the fact that, like, they'll put on free cards with really terrible, like, I'm talking yeah, four yeah. and six, oh, yeah. ten and 23, and you're just like, guys, what's going on? Well, like, what I say about about this girl last week, you know, the, the chick who fought bare knuckle, Beck Rawlings, seven and eight, seven and eight now, now seven, seven and nine. nine. Like, come on. That was bad. I mean, it was a knee bar. And the scary thing was, like, as the knee bar wasn't even locked in yet, and she looked like she was ready to tap. Like, she had no intention of getting out of it. And it's like, dude, I understand if you want to make a paycheck. But it, at least just fight like you want to win. In the just, WWE, we called that the job squad. Yeah. You know what their uh, shirt said? Pin, no. pin me, pay me. Pin me, pay me. That's wow. That's all they cared about. And that's some sometimes in MMA, look at uh, what's the big dude. 
Bob Sapp. Yeah, Bob Sapp. Pin me, pay me. Yeah, I'll take thirty grand to get knocked out, but yep. I want that thirty grand. It's like, who would have thought that Bob Sapp really became his character from The Longest Yard? Yeah, <laughs> I think what's sadder is like a man with such strength and and you know what I mean, like such power. You would think that he wanted to dominate, and now it's just like he's just this big guy. The boy just wants to get paid. Yeah. Uh. And then the main event, probably the my favorite fight of last week, coming into the week. I know you're pretty bummed. You text me right after it. Rory McDonald versus Douglas Lima. Two. He said it. He said, listen, I respected him way too much in that first fight, and I got to go in there and impose my will, and I got to dominate. Yeah, like he said, it wasn't that fireworks that the first fight was. But he went in, he knew what he wanted to do, he did it, and he got the victory, and that's what's important. Yeah. Even even with the light kicks when Rory fell, like this time, he was not letting him get up, you know? Yeah. Scary. Those light kicks are really scary. Yeah, that's what people don't understand. Like, you have such an advantage if you can damage somebody with light kicks. You know, one or two that are just hard enough, that stunts a fighter's ability to move. It hurts. It really hurts because it's like... Try thinking about slicing your hand, right, and then somebody going like this in the wound. That would hurt. That's the same thing as a leg kick. Once the femur bone itself has bone bruising and it starts to get damaged and all of that power goes through and kind of almost punctures through that muscle and tissue fiber, your bone is bruised. It's going to feel like somebody's sticking a knife back into the open wound. Like every time you step and put weight, Mm, that's a painful one. I remember when I got fir- first kicked in the leg um, in an amateur match by from a Muay Thai fighter, and I'm telling you, dude, I was stupid because I did not see that kick coming. And I think it was three kicks in, I had to switch stances. It was so painful. But, you know, it's like that's why they tell you, check that kick, you know, because sometimes <laughs> you might get lucky and end up getting like a Chris Wyman, Anderson Silva. Yeah, uh, you brought up amateur match. Uh, let's deviate a little from our normal, and let's get personal. Yeah. Because I know some people in this room, not being me, are trying to get back into the game, trying to get back into the gym to work out and possibly have an amateur fight within the next 12 months. Yeah. So what's the move? I mean, is there anything that you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, look, look you know, I, I want to get in there so badly but you know i just got to chalk it up to me being ready when the time is right i know one of my biggest hurdles is my weight and you know my conditioning but uh you know i'm I'm looking to get in there man I, I feel like it's now or never um it's not you know it's not something that i i don't think about every day because i think about this constantly of um you know this idea that i had something that was really like weighing in on me uh last night at work i was like you know what man like it's a long journey this martial arts you know road but to actually have my own gym eventually and then pull it off and be you know one of the more successful gyms in this area like that would be huge for me you know and 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 i know that you know it requires patience it requires you know knowledge to do that but it also requires passion because it's not easy, you know, 
because uh, passion won't, just won't get you all the way. Like, you, you have to have the intelligence to do it. But, you know, right now, like like I said, my hurdle is conditioning and all that stuff. But once I get that in check, like, if they clear me to get an amateur fight in, or two, you know, at, at either, you know, the end of 2019 or maybe even, the, you know, around midway around 2020, I'll take it. Because yeah, I just want to get in there. If we're talking about Art of War, their cards are uh, November 23rd yeah. or December 13th. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at first quarter 2020. Now, you actually had a chance to train with a good friend of the show, Zed yeah. Montanez. He, he took you under his wing and you went to balance. Yeah. Now, how was your experience at balance? Like, you haven't been there in a while. Um, how did they treat you? As you know, you're you're in a room full of killers. Man, it, it was a great experience. You know, I, I had a good time. I think that, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll hit gems and it's intimidating for us, you know, because, you know, let's face the facts. I was the only white belt in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was blue and up. And uh, it wasn't just blue and up. It was fighters. So these guys were going in there. They were trying everything on me. There were no restrictions. It was like a mix between no gi and gi. It was just like more of a rolling session, and it was worth it, man. Like, I, I really tried to work on defense and trying to catch sneaky submissions. And, you know, those guys are really good about, you know, testing you to see what you really know. And, uh, you know, usually when you get on the mats, there's some places where you'll go in and it's just like a fight. Like, they're just going in there trying to destroy you. And over there, it was, like, real technique-based, you know, taking their time. And I was able to go five rounds because we took that pace, but and it, I learned a lot, you know. Even their coach over there, um, he uh, showed me a couple new things, which I thought was really cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still deciding on, you know, the gym I'm going to go to. You know, right now, I have – I will most likely probably go back to Henzo Gracie's, but – I just want to see because wherever I do go, it, I have to be consistent there and being able to train, like, really hard. So, But, you know, the good thing is that a lot of the coaches, you know, understand my situation as far as, like, the fact that I already kind of know what I'm doing in certain areas and I just have to polish my skills. So, Yeah, whatever you do, you'll probably be a blue belt within six months because you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah. It's just a fact of, like, taking your test or whatever you have to do. Yeah. But what people don't understand sometimes, and then after this we'll kind of go back to our uh, routine, but the thing that people don't understand is, like, not everybody has that life. Not everybody has that strength of schedule yeah. that, like, I can train every day at 4.30. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I can go to the gym every day after work at 5.30 p.m. I'm on the mats. You know, it's not like that for everybody. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, whatever gym you do end up going to, they understand that, you know, not everybody has that perfect schedule. And, like, it's kind of like, yo, if I can make it, it's not always going to be at the same time, you know? Yeah, and that's my thing. And, and you know, I think that the, there's one thing – that I know for myself now as I've gotten older is that I'm my worst critic and I'm really hard on myself. And my thing is that I don't like to do something if I can't give 200% into it. I, I it, it kills me 
you know, when I'm busy and I want to go train, but I can't. And then I'm like, you know, then I make a commitment to, let's say, a match and then I can't do it. And I hate that. Like, I feel like if I'm going to do it, like all the cards have to fall on the table at the right time. And that's really, you know, what I'm trying to work out now in my life. Like just clearing everything out that doesn't need to be there and getting ready to train five to six days a week, at least four to six hours a day. Like really put the time in, you know, because I'm, I'm ready. Like one thing that, that me and my friend Zeus talked about was like the journey. Because for the last few years, like me and him have been in and out of the gym and we both want to get our black belts. Like yeah. that that's my goal. Like even if I don't fight professionally, even if, you know, I do fight professionally and I get knocked out a couple times, <laughs> like I don't care about any of that stuff. Like my goal is to get my black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, Zeus just like you, like you're working on families now, so it's yeah. it's like I said, it's not it's not like the typical lifestyle that like someone who's at the gym who lives at the gym yeah you know kinda i don't know has. how they do it, it it's yeah. crazy because it's like there are some guys where you're just like how do, how do you train 10 hours a day because you only fight three to four months out of you know like two or three times every three or four months and it's just like there's no way and then you <laughs> see them and a lot of times they just have jobs that understand like they get out at a certain time and then that's it they don't have anything else so once I get to that point, you know, life will be different, you know, because I remember back then when, when I used to train a lot. Like, it was school, 3.30 wrestling practice, uh, 5 o'clock uh, boxing and kickboxing, and then, yeah, and then it was like 6. No, it, it was 5 o'clock was jujitsu, and then at 7 it was kickboxing, and then after that it was Planet Fitness. Like, that was five training sessions a day in high school like that's what i was doing that's why i barely had to cut weight when i wrestled because i was always in shape year round you know so i'm trying to get back to that so yeah yeah so just like you i am trying to better my life as well health wise um i have been hitting the gym but i obviously hit a roadblock being kind of sick yeah and you know they usually say just sweat it out well that's easier said than done when you're just catching yeah. your breath yeah. you know um but I do relate with that, and uh, something that we were told by our friend Zed, who he was told by his coach, Sammy O, is don't forget your why. Always find your why yeah. and work towards that. Yeah. So um, that's what I could say to you as my friend, as my co-host. So just find that, and then once you figure that out, I know that everything's going to come together. Yeah, man. Hey, I mean, I, I wish you the best of luck as well, you know. Even if we're not on the same path, you know, I know you have your goals that you want to reach, and hey. Yeah, I will hit the mats one day. Um, yeah. Series coming soon. <laughs> I am talking to a gym trying to see if I can, like, film a series. Nice. Um, let's get into one championship. Just a few things I wanted to bring up because, you know, they have their, like, big cards, but they're always throwing out, like, smaller cards that they kind of promote less which is a shame because I do think that they have big stars or people who should be big stars. Right. Um, so Nikki Holdskin fights for the title, but the other champ, the, the guy who beat him, you know, is an animal. I don't know that guy's name, but he looks like he's like 19. Oh, uh, Regent Russell. He's yeah. been around woo, for a long time. That boy don't age then. Yeah. But he put it on Nikki. 
Yeah, he was kind of one of those guys that kind of flew on the radar because when he was coming up, Nicky was already, like, champion at, at Glory. He was already making a name for himself at K1. Like, he was just kind of in the shadows fighting on the undercards. But the dude put in work, man. He, he put in work, and now it's starting to show, you know. It was just like that guy Sammy Sana, you know. He was really good for a while. But sometimes you run into the, the king of kickboxing, and then it's like... You weren't as good as we thought. <laughs> yeah, and then we have a new welterweight champion. I'm not g- even going to try to say his name. Oh, Sebastian Karasam lost. I don't even know who he lost to. I didn't even get to see that. Yeah, but he uh, he got dominated pretty well. So that is one championship. Let's get into the UFC Fight Night Singapore card. Um, I brought him up last week. I said he was going to be a problem, and guess what? He was surreal gang. This tall Frenchman is a problem. That striking, and then they added the wrestling. He's like another Nganu, honestly. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he trains with Nganu. He's 5-0 and oh now. Yeah. He finishes the fight in the third round by heel hook. Him versus Greg Hardy? Uh, probably. Somewhere um, down the line has to be. That's a real... I mean, That's any, a dangerous fight. Any fight for Greg Hardy... Really is a dangerous fight, yeah. Because he's j- learning on the fly, yeah. But uh, this dude is—I—I I only see one way for this guy to go. Yeah. I don't see him losing anytime soon. Just imagine once he <coughs> finally gets a real polish for being in there, like with high-level guys. Like, it's—it's it's gonna be scary. You can see it, like his agility and his strength, and he's just—he moves like a middleweight. So it's like you only get that every now and then. And, you know, just like Nganu, like he has that power. But on top of that, he's got a lot of really good technique, like with his punches, his kicks. I don't know. Like I know you heard that liver shot that they kept putting up. Oh, yeah. That's no joke. Like That thing, sound like they said, it sounded like two pieces of wood going together. Like, And that's what it is, man. When that shinbo digs into that rib cage, your lungs just it hurts, man. But you know what? Um, I I say five more fights and he'll be top ten. You know, I don't He's see why they animal. shouldn't do it. He's an animal. The guy that he actually beat on the contender series was on this card as well. Yeah, and won his fight, Rafael Pessoa, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah. He was the first fight on the card. Um, and then in the main event, the fight that everybody has wanted to see since Ben Askren has signed to the UFC. Damian Maya versus Ben Askren. Andre, I need your analysis because how did, what did you see going into the fight and how did the fight play out in your eyes? Ben Askren and Damian Maya? Yes. Yeah, so it was kind of to be expected how it started, but obviously the more polished striker was Damian, you know, but the thing is this this is always the contrast that people have issues with, right? And And what it is is the idea of a dominant wrestler versus a dominant jiu-jitsu player. Like, that's always the story. It's like, who wins? But what people don't understand is that you have to also put into play the little thing. Not really the little things, but the more intricate sides of both martial arts. For example, in wrestling, a lot of those guys have a, you know, they do a really good job of controlling their opponents. But the issue is that if, you, if you're if you not a Brock Lesnar who can completely just overpower your opponent, 
then you have a lot more that you have to do. Because, for example, Damien, if you look at the sweeps, if you look at his transitions, when you look at all of that, his submission attempts, he was not exerting any energy. And the reason why is because even though Ben is a black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Damien has been a black belt for almost 20 years and has won multiple medals. He's won multiple championships in Jiu-Jitsu. He's been doing this for a long time. And like I said, you know, hats off to Ben for being a black belt, but it's just two different levels. And the thing is that, you know, with respect, Ben Askren's submission game is not as good as, you know, people think that it was. People thought that it was. Because he was fighting over a one championship and he was facing guys who just weren't that good on the ground. And now he was facing a wizard. And, you know, um, that, at that point, it's not even his fault. I just think that, you know, just like they say, he cashed a check that his, uh, I mean, he he, <laughs> he signed a check that his cash couldn't, I mean, his ass couldn't cash. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird saying, but, the tr- you know, that's the reality of the situation. He wasn't ready for that level of ground game. And if he was, you know, he would have won. But, you know, Damien just, he destroyed him. And you know what's yeah, worse? I mean, he think, I think he won one round. Yeah, uh, I believe the first, and then the second round, I think he outstruck him. Yeah, he did, but it was like but. you could see that Damien was just kind of just waiting, just waiting for his opportunity. Yeah, once he takes your back, it's a wrap. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like if you don't have a clear game, that's that's why one of the best in the game to ever do it was George Saint Pierre because he was a master strategist. He took your skills. And he would use them against you. It wasn't like a T Wood versus Damien where he just ran. Like, no. If you were good on your back, he would put you on your back and then impose his will and then test you. And a lot of guys would fail because, like, there's different aspects. Like, if Ben was really going for ground and pound when he took Damien down, like, if he was really trying to destroy him, the fight would have been different. But you know what? Um, I say, I said that Ben was done, but. You know, I feel bad for saying that because, like, seeing the ending, like, when he got choked out, it was like, damn, like, that wasn't even, that wasn't even his fault. And it was embarrassing because he got choked out with one arm. Like, <coughs> Damien pulled a Gordon Ryan on him. He was just, like, chin tucked in, mm-hmm. and that's it. So, I think one more fight for him to really determine if he's got it. I mean, it's like he said, though. He, You know him, he always breaks down his victories and losses. And he said, like, what do I do now? Like, he, he has to consider retirement. Yeah. And it's a shame. D- um, for you, does this damage his legacy? I mean, comes into the UFC undefeated. I don't think it damages his legacy based off of the fact that he was undefeated for a long time. And he did fight quality fighters. Yeah, I think that... What did worst to his legacy was that one no contest. Yeah. I think that that was more of a question mark, you know, rather than these losses. Yeah, because the reality is that if Robbie would have got out of that choke, like, he would have killed him. That's just what it is, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not to say that he's not good. I just think that that was kind of a gimme. And that put him in a position that he probably shouldn't have been in. Like, let, let's be honest. The one fight that I thought made sense in the beginning 
was him versus Leon Edwards. And I felt that that would have been a much better fight for him. Leon is good. He's well-rounded. But he probably could have beat Leon, and that would have been totally different. <coughs> but like I said, when you start talking that stuff and you start saying, oh, I can beat everybody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maul everyone, it's like, are you? So now it's like he's got a lot more to prove in this in this case. So I I hope that maybe he'll get it get it together and you know maybe maybe he'll do maybe he'll do a lot better in the right kind of matchups. So we'll see. Yeah, what happens. I mean, you know, the best have come from other organizations and have come to the UFC and have fallen. Look at Will Brooks. Yep. Like, think about the run Will Brooks had at Bellator. Beat Chandler twice. That's not easy. And then, like, completely flopped in the UFC. And you know what it is a lot of times? Like, it, it's true. It's like, it's the first fight jitters. Like, they say in the UFC, it's like, a lot of guys do well. But there are other guys who just flop. And it's really not because they don't have the skills. It's just because of the fact that <coughs> they're so worried about the bright lights and and, you know, fight week coming up and doing everything. It's like they work so hard to get to that point. They keep saying, oh, I'm ready for the UFC. I'm ready to do this. I'm calling this guy out in the UFC. I'm ready to go. I'm already the champ. I'm undefeated. Let's do it. And then they face a quality fighter, and they're just like, damn, this is different. You know, and the perfect example is like, you know, like I said, the, the you know, the best and worst of both worlds. Sabiana Mazo, she goes into her first fight against, a you know, a legit, you know, fighter in her weight class, and the girl beat her because she implemented a game plan. She knew what Sabiana's skills were, and she used it against her. But then look at her second fight. Trash the girl. Why? Because those fight that those you know those first fight jitters were gone, and now, you know, now in this case, when you're fighting the first time in the UFC, you you have to really bring your A game. Yeah, look at Ariane Lipsky too. Like former <sighs> champ comes in, she's zero and two right now, killing people. And then, don't get me wrong, she has some tough fights. They've been tough fights, and and she has performed. Yeah, but you know, there's a difference between a win and a loss. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like if you're going in, and and this is where this is where there's some people who can just elevate their game, and they're just guys who can't. <coughs> Excuse me. Perfect example, John Jones. Let's face it. In the beginning, he didn't have an easy fight at all. That's one thing that people don't give him credit for. There were no easy fights. He fought a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, his first fight in the UFC. Then he goes against Stefan Bonner, a pioneer of the sport who was good in every facet of the game. Then he goes in, he gets a couple more fights. He fights Brandon Vera, a guy who had knocked out Frank Mir, a guy who was pretty much on his way to a title shot. Fights Shogun, a dude who had pretty much just knocked out Lyoto Machida, a man who was undefeated. I mean, he had a tough road, but there's just some guys who they face that level of opposition and they just take their game to the next level. And for me, <coughs> you have to just realize that it's a mindset thing. Another example, Cody Garbrandt. Who thought he was going to do that to Dominic Cruz? But it's a mindset. It was like he was saying on that podcast. It was just flow state. I was flowing in there. I believed that I could beat him. I believed that I could dominate him, and that's what I did. And you know what? If you don't have that mindset going in, you're going to struggle. You got to block out all that stuff. It was like Connor said it best. He said, 
I'm not fighting an opponent. I'm fighting myself. I'm fighting all of my boundaries, all of my fears, all of my worries. And once that's gone and I clear that out, it's just me in there. And that's it. If you don't have that mindset, it's not for you. That's the way I see it. <clears throat> yeah. So let's hope that Ben Askren can pull it together. I'm sure that the the UFC is good at this. Like, they're good at people coming off losses. And if, if they think the talent is worth it, they'll find a way to build him back up. Like, give him something like, look, we know you can win this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hopefully they can do that with Ben Askren. I mean, he has nothing to prove in my eyes. Yeah. I think he has a long career as a coach anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> his, his knowledge is so valuable. You mm-hmm. know, like – He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a long-time collegiate wrestling champion. I mean, the dude has a wealth of knowledge, and and you can't you, you can't take that away from him. I just feel like um, if he does become a coach, like, you know, he's going to help a lot of fighters, you know, especially guys coming up that like strikers, like strikers who are coming into the sport trying to, you know, really make a name for themselves in, in MMA. Like, he would be such a huge help for them. And you know, um, you know, it's like who who had said it? Uh, Jimmy Manoa. Like, there's life after fighting, and you just have to find that. And you know that that's that's one of the reasons why I want to get my black belt because it's like I said, right now in the state that I'm in, I could lose weight and dominate, or I could lose weight and get killed in my first fight, completely mauled. I don't know. I have no control over that. But that black belt allows me to do something that I really enjoy, which is teach people. Because that's something that I've always enjoyed, you know. And to be able to do that and kind of become like the next Farah Sahabi, you know, kind of in my own little way, that would be a dream come true. Anyways, back on track. (laughs) Yeah, so um, we're going to do the UFC 244 preview last. Let's get into some listener questions. You put the call out to our listeners, new and old. Get us some listener questions, and guess what? A few people delivered, Andre. So let's start off with someone who we've already brought up once or twice on this podcast. Yeah. Our boy Zeus. Hey. Zeus asks, how do you feel about Tyson Fury entering MMA? So I'll go first. Yeah. Um, Tyson Fury in MMA. So today is Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Fury fought his first wrestling match today and won. Um, I'm not sure how he looked, nor do I care. I'm probably never going to watch the show because they're in Saudi Arabia. But, hey, if he could do that, I don't see why he couldn't. I think he'd have more of the skill to go into MMA rather than pro pro wrestling because his striking is already at one point. Yeah. Um, But... The thing is that that's only one thing. Yeah. So he has a lot to catch up on if he wants to be an MMA fighter. Yeah, it was Joe Rogan was talking about it um, <coughs> not too long ago on the podcast where he was showing a, a fight between a professional boxing champion and um, it was a professional kickboxing champion. And, you know, Joe said it best. He said, look, if you're fighting an elite striker who can kick, or even if you have a, a grappler, you have a couple of seconds to get on the inside and do a lot of damage before you get your ass destroyed with leg kicks or takedowns. 
and that's the reality of Tyson's situation. He could be good as a boxer, like an excellent boxer in MMA. Chances are they'll do well. But if you don't work that takedown defense, if you don't work the cage and wall work, I mean, you're going to get dominated. It has nothing to do with size. Because anybody who's the same size or just a little smaller than Tyson could easily just fake him, and when he tries to go for something big, he, he just gets taken down. Like, that's, you know, <clears throat> that's just what happens. And yeah. uh, I would hate to see that happen to Tyson Fury because the man, is he's a fighting man. It's like he says all, all the time, I'm a fighting man. And, uh, yeah, I think that it takes time. That's what people don't understand. Like, it takes time to get into a sport and really do well. Like, you know, you have to have – some base knowledge in jiu-jitsu and, and have to really work those moves. You have to have a base knowledge in cage work, ground and pound, wrestling. Like, all of that comes into play. Even if you're just going to use your hands, you still have to know how to block kicks the right way, you know? One wrong way, you put your arm out like this, your arm's broken, you know? One wrong move, somebody kicks you, completely damages your femur bone. No more boxing, you know what I mean? So... <coughs> I, I would hope that he stays away from that. The wrestling will bring him a lot of money anyway. So. Yeah, and uh, his trainer, Conor McGregor, isn't going to do him any good. Yeah, that would be just a horrible thing. Like, the man the man himself can't even defend takedowns. Like, you're not going to do anything for Tyson. <laughs> yeah, so Zeus also asks, Dominic Reyes claims he's next for John. Now he's talking with a lot of bark. Do you guys think he'll be able to back that up in the octagon? <sighs> That's a good question. I, I'll tell you like this. The only thing that will stop Dominic Reyes from beating John Jones is Dominic Reyes. I was just talking about it a couple minutes ago. If you truly believe that you can beat the so-called unbeatable, that has to be your belief for five rounds. And that's not just your effort. It's also an effort of your coaches. It's an effort of everybody who's around you. Like, you have to have the belief. It's a mindset and it's a lifestyle. Look, imagine if Dominic goes in there and gets his butt whooped. He'll be disappointed. He's undefeated. He was supposed to be the guy. And you have to take that momentum and think, like, I think he can do it. But we've been wrong before. You know, like a lot of us were like, yeah, Tiago Santos probably going to get destroyed in this fight. And look what happened. Imagine if his knees weren't blown out. So at the end of the day, what really matters is if you believe it yourself. So if Dominic says that he can do it and believes it in his heart, we'll see how he does. You know, because with John, I will admit, it ain't no flash knockout. You have to dominate him. And I've never seen anybody dominate him before. We've seen people beat him up, but I've never seen anybody dominate John Jones. I've never seen anyone rattle him, you know. So th- he has to keep that all in his mindset. Like he's got to set the tone from the opening bell. Like even if they don't touch gloves, it doesn't matter. You have to be in his face. You have to push him back. <laughs> even if he doesn't want to move back, you have to move him back. You have to do everything. If he goes in for a shot, you got to make him pay. On the way in, if you go in for a shot and he stuffs it, you got to keep going. Like, all of that plays into it, you know? Like, when T.J. Dillashaw fought Henan Burrell the first time, that was five rounds, you know? And that was a conscious decision that he made to himself. Like, 
sucked. I don't deserve this title fight. I didn't earn it, and they put me in here anyways, and I got to shock the world. I have to do everything possible, change this entire style, and did everything differently, and, and he won. <coughs> so Dominic Reyes has to pull off one of those performances. Yeah. But great question. Yeah, I think I think that he has a chance. I think anybody has a chance against John because John's worst enemy is himself. But um, there's something about Dominic Reyes. I don't know if it's the size, the power, that I think that he can he can take it to John. Yeah. I just I would hate to see such a talented young guy have to succumb to the same fate as most other guys where at the end of the fight they have to be like, yeah, you know, I thought I could do it and, you know, I underestimated him and, you know, got to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, I'll be back. It's like – Take care of it now. <clears throat> yeah. Cement your legacy now because you'll end up being the guy that gets to say, yeah, I just beat the number one pound – well, the number three pound for pound fighter in the world now. Like, I did it after all these guys tried and failed. Well, I tied for one. Tied for one, right? Yeah. Is it? He's tied for one with uh, Khabib. Oh, okay. I thought it was Khabib. Damn, I don't even know who it was. DC fell to th- uh, two and then – him and Khabib, for some reason, are tied at one. Oh, I must have been looking at something else because I saw number one Khabib, number two Daniel, and then number three John. But whatever. <laughs> Let me just clarify that. But Yeah, yeah. Because you know we like to be – we don't like to do retractions on this show. Pound for pound. Oh, he's number one. Khabib's number two. Henry Cejudo's number three. Wow. Number four, Stipe. Number five, Amanda Nunes. Number six, DC. Oh, okay. Seven, Holloway. Uh, Izzy's number eight. Number nine's Tony. Number 10 is Kamaru. 11, Valentina. 12, Connor. And Dustin are tied. Robert Whitaker and Tyron Woodley. What I think is hilarious is that Kamaru Usman is number 10 behind. Tony Ferguson, who does not have a title. That shows how much people think of Kamara Usman. Yeah. <coughs> Top ten, huh? <laughs> yep. Okay. <coughs> our next question, our next set of questions come from Pash, who we haven't talked to in a while. Hey, Bash. <laughs> <laughs> His first question, he, uh, he has like a little thing he wrote up. He says, I considered buying UFC 244 to support George and Nate because I think they deserve it. Then I hear that dipshit in charge has the dipshit in the White House coming as a VIP. So I'm definitely stealing the fight as usual. Is there <laughs> any way to support these guys without giving my my money to Dana White? Uh, you can take that one. <laughs> All right, so... The only way to support these guys without supporting the UFC is to use their sponsors. So, like, let's say uh, Nate Diaz has Game Up Nutrition. So if you want, like, some mediocre CBD oil or some, like, whole food supplement that probably has (laughs) SARMs in it, you can buy Nate Diaz's CBD. Why you come at him like that? <laughs> or you can buy, you know, whatever mattress brand decides to give Jorge money this week. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I know the UFC has like those fighter kits 
and yeah. I don't know if the the money goes to the fighters, but those things are hideous. Uh, they do have some tight shirts. I like the the designs for the Jorge and Nate shirts that they've yeah. had this week. But like I said, I don't know if the money goes to them. Yeah, honestly, it's weird because those fighter kits, it's like, I don't even know how they work. I just know I wouldn't wear them because I feel – this is my feeling. If you're going to wear those Reebok shorts that look like the UFC ones – you're causing a narrative in any gym, and people are going to beat the shit out of you <coughs> solely because you have those shorts on. It's like going to the basketball court with a jersey on, like a Lakers jersey. Yeah, like a Lakers jersey, the the compress, the, the compression shooting, yeah, sleeves. Yeah, the AI sleeves. Brand new freaking shoes, the headbands. Like, you think those people aren't going to pick on you? Yeah, they're going to pick on you because you're creating this facade that you're you're that guy. Now, Jorge does have his his shirts that he puts out, the three-piece and a soda. I want one of those. Uh, he has the Super Necessary shirt. The uh, He has, like, this, like, Jordan-style logo yeah. of the silhouette, like, with him giving the knee, yeah. which is pretty dope. Um, but like I said, like, Nate Diaz has Represent clothing brand, something that I know. Well, Pash doesn't really like the Diaz brothers. What? Yeah, that's a story for another day. Yeah, I think we <laughs> talked about that once or twice. Yeah. Um. His next question. It's a quick one. Is Jorge Masvidal having this, the fan spar, the greatest thing an MMA fighter has ever done, in a in a media day? Yeah, I would say in a media day for sure. You know, I don't think that would trump any like Israel's thing just in general. Like you know, with uh. The walkout, but that has to be that has to get an award, man. Both of those things, because that <laughs> these guys are changing the sport as we know it. And I'll I, see where I can figure it out at the end of the year. We'll we'll make something up like <laughs> best fighter non fight moment or something like that. Yeah, something something like that. But you know, hey, it, it's been a good year. It's been really exciting. It really year. has. Like I've been doing like the MMA like awards, trying to like get together like submissions of the year and like it looks favorite. good yeah it's uh it's it's really some of them stick out like so far it's been hard to beat my fight of the year you know israel versus kelvin yeah it's like my favorite fight of all time yeah like so it's gonna be really hard to beat it for fight of the year but like others like knockout of the year yeah like as much as i love that ben Askren knockout i really like Douglas Lehman lock, knocking out Michael Venom Page. It's tough, but you know I will say this: if we're since we're doing the MMA awards, we have to do that live, and we have to do that like on video. That has to be a special. And then like other things like like comeback fighter of the year is easy. Oh, yeah. like Jorge is running away with it, but then you go fighter of the year. Like, you have Jorge, you have Israel, you have Henry Cejudo, yeah. who did everything at the beginning of the year, who hasn't got credit at this time, but think about what he did. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that we have to really think about. Yeah, people forgot what Henry did. <laughs> yeah, for certain. So, Andre, here's the moment everybody's been waiting for. Let's talk about UFC 244. Yeah. <clears throat> First of all, this card is stacked from top to bottom, if yeah. I didn't say that before. Uh, the opening contest features Hakeem Dewadu versus Julio Arce. 
Hakeem looked fantastic in his last fight. That's at featherweight. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. My my chest is starting to kill me. Don't throw up. <laughs> the next fight is a welterweight fight. Lyman Good versus Chance Ring Counter. Stop me if you... I'm so sorry. Stop. It's okay. Stop me if you want to say something about the, one of these fights. Okay. The gotcha. next fight, title implications, you know, possible number one contender fight, Caitlin Chikagan versus Jennifer Maya. I think that whoever wins that fight could be next for Valentina. For sure. <coughs> On the ESPN2 prelims, we have the opening fight, Brad Tavares versus Edmund Shabazian. That's a big test for Edmund. Yeah. I think uh, Brad Tavares, you know, we usually talk about him as a loser. But um, he has done some things. You know, he is 17-5, and so he does win more than he loses. Then we have Shane Burgos versus Makwan Amerikani, your boy. (laughs) And then the main event on ESPN2, closing out the prelims, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. Did you see the face-offs today? Yo, that was hilarious, man. It was like, <laughs> I loved what he did because everyone's like, oh, my God. He can't catch a break. What yeah. if he would have hurt himself there? I thought he was joking, though, to be honest. No. That but then it like looked like fall. he really fall, yeah. I went back with Jen, and we're looking. They're like, did he really fall? Oh, I think he did. <laughs> All right. Um, one second. So then we move on to the main card. Um Opening the main card, Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie. Andre, we've talked a lot about Kevin Lee this last year. You know, we respect him. We really want him to do good. But is this a terrible idea? Yeah. Yeah. Gregor is on a tear, man. This is a mistake. It's a very dangerous fight. Not only that, you're coming off... Having really tough weight cuts and then going up to 170, getting dominated, to then come back down and fight a cardio machine who's going to push you all three rounds. That's just, that's probably the stupidest thing he's probably ever done. And as you get closer to the fight, you can clearly see that Gregor is going in there to win and dominate Kevin. And once he does that, I mean, there's no question that he's going to be top five very soon. How much do you think Gregor not talking to the media hurts him? I don't think it hurts him at all. I think that the problem with with fans nowadays is that there's this narrative that because of guys like Connor and wannabes like Colby and all these idiots like Kevin himself, they expect this guy to come out and be like, I'm the best mother effer in this game, and I'm going to win 68 titles by the end of the year, and I can beat anybody from 125 all the way to 286. And it's like, no, that's not what martial arts is about. Take that shit over to boxing. Like, that's not what this is about. This is about pure martial artists going against each other. And I think that Gregor will – God bless you. I think that uh, Gregor is now – Frankie Edgar 2.0, and I think he's going to go in there and prove why he's one of the best lightweights. He doesn't have to say anything. Let your work speak for itself. The man works hard. He put he puts the time in. He trains every day. I don't think he has to talk. I think he just needs to go in and dominate another tough guy. 
Yeah, so then we have Derek Lewis, the return of the Black Beast versus Blagoy Ivanov, former World Series of Fighting heavyweight champ. Man, I miss the Black Beast. Yeah, me too, man. Did you see what he said at the press at the uh, open workouts? No, I didn't even see it. I only saw the face off. That was an awkward face off at that. Yeah, so it was it, like like Derek. He got real close to him, and then Blackway was like up and down with his eyes. Like he didn't want to look at him, but he wanted to, and it was like, "Are you just doing that because it's awkward, or do you just not want to look at him?" It I think face offs are awkward. I think they are because a lot of then you have guys like Kevin. He's like. I was like, bro, you're going to yeah. get beat up. Like, stop trying to act tough. <laughs> so uh, instead of working out, he did like a Q&A. And somebody asked him what he likes to eat before a fight. And he said, if his wife is there, her ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. So, so the Black Beast continues to deliver. At welterweight, moving up. Uh, Stephen Thompson versus Vicente Luque. This is a hell of a fight. Um, so Steven Thompson coming off a few losses. You know, he's 0-2 in his last two. His last win was against Jorge. And then before that, he lost to Woodley. And then he drawed with Woodley. So, you know, he's he hasn't had his easy road these last few years. Yeah. Coming off a beautiful, you know, maybe controversial Maybe not. Vicente Luque coming off that win against Mike Perry. How do you see this fight going? Well, I think that this is one of those. It was like when Wonder Boy faced Masvidal. Um, there's something that you have to do to Steven in order to beat him. You got to hit him hard. And I mean really hard. And, you know, like guys like Jorge couldn't do it because he couldn't get in. And you have guys like Pettis. <laughs> oh, God, that super amazing Superman punch. Yeah, vicious. But with Vicente, if I had to be honest with you, the key to victory for him is elbows and uppercuts. I don't think the hooks will work. But if he can get on the inside on Steven and even push him to the cage, hold his head, and can't, and now he can't move, uppercuts and elbows. You got to cut him up. You got to... You got to really make him move back. And, you know, like leg kicks work too, but that's only for a certain amount of time. Because, you know, Steven's been doing this for years. He knows guys are going to shoot, you know, they're going to try to throw leg kicks. But, um, yeah, I think that's the story for for Vicente. If not, he's going to get dominated for three rounds on the outside. I would hate to see that because he's such a high-level fighter that has continuously approved, improved every fight. So, yeah. I, that's the way I see the fight going. <laughs> then we have uh, this co-main event was actually kind of in limbo for a little bit until a few hours ago. Yeah. Darren Till versus Kelvin Gaslam. Good move for Kelvin Gaslam to take on somebody moving up. It's uh, Honestly, as much as I like Darren, like there's so many things that are stacked up against Darren. Like, will he make weight? Yes. Will he perform well? We don't know, you know. But for Calvin, it's like he's been to 185. He fought for the title, and uh, he went five rounds against Israel and didn't get finished. Well, arguably didn't get finished. But, you know, I think in a perfect world, Calvin's night is going to be a lot easier than Darren's. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then the main event. 
Jorge Gamebred Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Is this the fight of the year? <sighs> Listen, <laughs> it could be the fight of the year if somebody doesn't get knocked out or tapped out. That And that is the story of this fight. Who knows? What if Masvidal cracks Diaz, he falls, and then Diaz locks him up? I mean, we don't know. What if Nate puts on so much pressure that Masvidal can't handle it and gets TKO'd? What if Masvidal knocks him out with a with a head kick or something? Like, either way, this is gonna be some some sort of award for the year. It, it's gonna end up being an award, anyways. Yeah, I just can't even think about what's gonna happen. I'm almost scared to make certain predictions. This is one of those fights, like. Most Nate Diaz fights were like win, loser, draw. I just want to see a good fight. Yeah. And this kind of fight guarantees fireworks. Yeah. I mean, the formula of this fight is like nobody's going to take a back step. It's obvious. So. So if you're saying that, then what is each guy's key to victory? Like, what does Nate have to do? Does he have to close in pressure, get him down and choke him out? This is why I can't say yes to that because there was a fight that happened not too long ago that was recently posted on YouTube and it was Jorge Masvidal's return to welterweight against uh, Cesar Ferrara. Um, that was Vitor Belfort's like protege, and uh, the man was coming down from 185 and Masvidal was coming up from 155. There was a clear size advantage that Ferrara had over Masvidal. And you could see, like, Masvidal's body. He was very pudgy. He didn't have a lot of muscle on him. And that was because, you know, he was just coming back up. So, you know, you have to get used to it. This man tried to put Masvidal in the clinch and made one wrong move. And Masvidal knocked his ass out. And that is why it's a scary fight <laughs> for Nate because wherever the fight takes place, unless Nate is on top of him in mount or side control or half guard, I don't know what's going to happen. The only assurance that I can give you is that if somehow Nate gets his back or gets the full mount, I don't see how this fight, you know, is not going to be dangerous for Masvidal, you know, in that area. But if it's Nate Diaz standing up with Jorge, who knows? Because Nate's got a chin on him. Only been knocked out once in his career. And that was because he took a flush head kick to the dome with all of that shin muscle from Josh Thompson. And that's it. Other than that, that's it. And when you look at how he fought Pettis, he beat him up using that same style. So if I had to give you a real prediction... I would say this is going to the scorecards. That's the only prediction. Yeah, and it's one of those fights that you won't be mad if it does. Oh, no. The only thing I hope, the only thing I know will spoil this fight if it becomes a draw. But I don't think it will. I th And, you know, you, you know, they might prove me wrong on this, but I'm just going to chalk it up and say that I think the one who has a real chance to win this fight is probably Diaz because of the pace. I think that Masvidal is going to go into this fight looking for the knockout. And I think after the third round, 
he might get tired. Now, if that doesn't happen, and he knocks Nate out, then yeah, we know who the baddest mother effer on the planet is. That's all I can say about this fight. Either way, I know you and I are super pumped. Ever yeah. since this fight was announced, we I nearly shit myself. So <laughs> Yeah, no predictions from me. I just want to see a good fight. I'm going to watch it with a bunch of friends, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, me too. At that point, whether I start training or not, that's going to be my cheat day because I need to have pizza and wings. And the best part... <coughs> Is that I have Saturday off. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this fight. You're really looking forward to this fight. If you're, well, there's no way you're listening to this tonight because it comes out at midnight. But the PFL playoffs are about to start. So I'm about to go upstairs and watch that because I'm a psychopath. I can watch everything. <laughs> um, yeah, that has been this week's Your Boy Elroy. It's good to like kind of not have technical difficulties but the truth is we're still kind of working out the kinks but um you can find me on all forms of social media at elroy prepson one word andre everyone you can find me on instagram and twitter under the name flow state dre you can also find me on facebook as my regular name too andre rodriguez and uh thanks for tuning in and thank you for the listener questions yeah, for certain. We hope to get more and more every week so we can talk and interact with our fans. You can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast. Um, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.